0: Everyone to episode 235 of Some Like It's Scott. I'm your host, Scott Shelton. and On this week's episode, Scott Harvey is once again missing in action for an MCU movie review. But that's okay, because I have Jay Habib here with me to discuss the 32nd entry in the MCU and the trilogy capper for James Gunn's Space Opera, Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume 3. Before we get to that, though, Jay, how are you doing today? It seems like this is going to start being a regular thing for superhero movies. So how do the shoes feel?
1: i mean they're slightly broken in right i'm you know okay first
0: gotta stop you there set you up for a succession joke you flubbed it
1: oh oh no big shoes big (laughs) shoes i totally did um damn now
0: now you can now you can say whatever you're gonna say
1: oh no i i'm so sad i messed that up i was like what are you talking about i've been on the show before yes no of course big Big,
0: shoes big shoes
1: (laughs) oh man missed opportunity um well now i'm doing horrible but i was having an okay day otherwise (laughs) um it's a friday we're here we're recording
0: much earlier than usual i mean maybe not for jay but for 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 this scott we are recording two days earlier than normal which i'm not complaining about i like i don't mind it
1: i mean it's all fresh you know even if it you know you could argue we could have given it some more time to settle it I, i think it'll be more interesting coming into this one fresh especially you know given how strongly i feel about mcu films and the direction of the mcu these days and whatnot I, I think it'll make it more interesting
0: sure you know i think not to uh not to reveal too much about how we what we thought about this movie yet but i will say we were walking out of the theater last night and we were both looking forward to uh july is what i'll say
1: <laughs> hey so. i I'm, I'm still excited about a couple of films in june um you don't right. have to be but right
0: yeah, you, you know, I'm assuming you're talking about Spider-Man Across the Spider- a Spider-Verse and I I suppose the Flash is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, Flash aside because I think that I I have I don't have any I don't have much confidence in that movie. I, I know people are saying it's like amazing or whatever, but I don't know. David Zaslav must have paid Tom Cruise like a million dollars to say that. I, I just am not convinced that Tom Cruise actually thinks that's the greatest comic movie ever made. But Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Jay, I don't know if you we're watching this news or saw it on your Twitter feed or listening to the podcast last week when we briefly talked about it. But at CinemaCon a week and a half ago, uh, the directors of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse said they were still working on the movie, which is deeply, deeply concerning. <laughs> so, uh, you know, my, my confidence was shaken a bit <laughs> in, in Across the Spider-Verse hearing that.
1: Scott, you're really bringing me down, man. We're like three minutes into this recording and I have flubbed the succession joke and now this. Yeah. Ugh, what have they done man. to my boy? Yeah. I I mean, I remember there being... The, them changing the production schedule in this movie a couple times and then, like, splitting it into a yeah. two-parter. And, you know, that was enough to be like, oh, what are we doing? But I had since put those reservations in the rearview mirror. Uh Seems yeah, like... they they
0: have something like a thousand people working on this movie or something crazy like that. And, like, the first one had, like, 200 people working on it or something. Well, didn't
1: that. didn't they... I might just be completely making this up, but I feel like they spent at least twice as long making the first one
0: but uh, yeah that 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 wouldn't surprise me i mean honestly it's not uncommon for an animated film to take you know whatever it's been four and a half five years
1: i thought the first one took eight which like respect because like you know no no no, that's what i'm saying but like it's
0: it's coming for for animated sequels to take in the realm of four and a half to five years i think the caveat is that they're Doing a bunch of different animation styles that they didn't do in the previous film, which is not common for an animated sequel. They have like something like hundreds of characters apparently in the ensemble cast in this movie, of which they had like 20 to 30 characters in the first in the first film. And again, they have like a thousand animators working on this project. I don't know how you control quality with that many people. So my my confidence in the film has been shaken a little bit, but I still think it's the most exciting film in June. To look forward to And if it comes out. I mean, assuming it doesn't get pushed, but I think at this point it's May fifth when we're recording this. The film comes out in like exactly a month. Like it would be crazy if they pushed it at this point. It would cost them so much money in marketing to push it at this point. So I think it's probably going to come out. Whether it's finished is you know another question. It's also supposed to be two hours and twenty minutes long, which is the longest animated film ever, um, which is pretty crazy.
1: I I don't know if I'm more surprised that it's two twenty or that that's the longest animated movie ever. Well, I but... should say
0: lo- longest animated film. I think released by a major. Sure, animation sure. You yeah,
1: know, I I figured as much, but that's I mean, surprising. You th- think
0: about it though. Like, you know, I mean, obviously, there's a skew towards children's movies, which you know should not be two hours and twenty minutes long, generally speaking. But I think even the more mature animated films, like, it's very expensive, right? Everything. It's not like you're shooting on a, like a film production where you have all this footage and you need to edit down to you know a two-hour length. It you know every single minute of footage that you create for animation is costing you incrementally more dollars, and you can keep refining it you know for years if you want to. I mean, it's why it takes so long to make an animated film. So I don't know food for thought. I think it's interesting. Who who knows what part two, I think part of the schedule is that also like part two is coming out, which is called beyond the spider verse is coming out next year. I believe like a year from now. So it's on this weird cadence where it's two hours and 20 minutes. And there's also like a presumably another two hour, give or take 30 minute movie coming out. uh, That's a direct sequel to it next year. Like that is, you know what, four, four and a half, five hours of animated production in the span of six years since the original film came out that's like or five years i guess because it was 2018 right five years that's that's great that's a lot that's a lot
1: and now i'm concerned again i mean my initial stance was the first one was so perfect like don't even bother making a sequel but of course it you know did so well won an oscar etc like they were always going to sure Um, yeah i would have been like as much as i and i you know again the first one is one of my favorite movies ever like period i would have been totally fine not making a sequel This is what I get for trying to get excited about it.
0: Well, Jay, what you can do instead is on opening night, since you won't be uh, here in New York City to watch the film, you can just watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse again and pretend like that was the movie that that you saw on opening night, and you don't ever have to see the sequel if you don't want to.
1: That is an option.
0: Well, I don't know how we got into a six-minute chat about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. I suppose that was my fault, but I think our topic of conversation today is in fact supposed to be Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, which is written and directed. By James Gunn after he was once upon a time fired for years old tweets, but then eventually, of course, unfired. Um, And then Guardians 3 takes a focus more on the origins of the anthropomorphized raccoon rocket voiced by Bradley Cooper. And it starts with a flashback to his earliest days as a test subject where rocket is experimented on by the high evolutionary played by Chikwudu Awuji to create the, quote, perfect specimen to populate his utopia called Counter Earth. These experiments continue. And additional insights are gleaned in sporadic flashbacks throughout the film. But in the present timeline, the Guardians, Sans Gamora, of course, who died in Avengers Infinity War, have rebuilt Nowhere as their home base. While Peter Quill, a.k.a. Star-Lord, played by Chris Pratt, continues to wallow in his own self-pity over the loss of the aforementioned Gamora to Thanos years prior. He's rocked from his alcohol-induced stupor as the Sovereign's super-powered creation called Adam, played by Will Poulter, attacks Nowhere to take revenge on the Guardians' previous treatment of his mother, Aisha, played by Elizabeth Debicki and to kidnap rocket for the sovereign's master. The aforementioned high evolutionary who has become obsessed with retrieving one of his oldest surviving specimens. Adam is unable to abscond with rocket, but leaves him grievously wounded and with quill Drax played by Dave Batista Nebula played by Karen Gillen, Mantis played by Palm Clementif, and Groot played by Ben diesel, unable to heal heal him due to a kill switch implanted into rocket's body by the high evolutionary in his formative years from there, it's pretty simple. For Quill & Co., they must save Rocket, setting them on a journey of self-discovery for all five members of the group. So, Jay, I'll stop there. Did you feel like Guardians 3 was a groovy return to form for the MCU after an up-but-mostly-down run post-the-Infinity Saga, or does the streak of disenchanting Marvel fare continue once again with guns sign-off from Disney?
1: Neither? <laughs> I mean, way to, way to frame it like that. I mean, I, think, I would say it's definitely closer to the former, but and it brings me no joy to say this. I think that's more of a commentary on how lackluster I've found a lot of the MCU to be. Like post Endgame, you know, I, I can count maybe two two movies that have gotten me like really excited post Endgame. If I think if, if I have that right,
0: No Way Home and Wakanda Forever. Which, which yeah, two?
1: That, okay. that that sounds right. I, I don't okay. think I'm missing something there when did shang chi come out that that maybe deserves half a mention but right after
0: black widow so like mid 2021
1: sure and that's that's post endgame yeah um i'll I'll shout that out as well but i again i don't know if it's if it's been how much content they've put out between the tv shows and then the movies or a lot Yeah. yeah i know or just how much it hasn't Really lived up. I don't want to turn this into like an MCU retrospective, but like expectations were pretty low coming in. I'd say this ultimately did a little bit better for me than I expected. Just mm-hmm. given where the MCU has been, I'm still very nervous about Superman and <laughs> other James Gunn future projects. But that's, again, we don't have to turn this into a DCU forward either. I- I'd say this was sure. like a, a step in the right direction is what we can call it. And I won't go any any further than that. It was definitely closer to guardians one than it was guardians two which you know the latter was not a movie i really enjoyed that much i would say it probably ranked towards the bottom for me in terms of the mcu at least pre endgame it might you know have been bumped up a couple spots just by a fact of some post endgame movies not being as good but i have to think about that one um but i would say like it was a good grounded like you know half return to form Ultimately, like, found myself caring about. uh I mean, I'll just start with like Star Lord. Like, he's someone who, post End Game, I feel like I thought very little about, but I actually thought Chris Pratt did it, Pr- Chris Pratt did a pretty good job in this one, and the story was carried out in such a way that, like, I mean, you know, we don't have to skip to the ending, right? But I thought they did a good job, kind of handling it, and Chris Pratt was just good in the role of Star Lord. I thought the idea of behind or the idea. To go into rocket's background was an interesting one ultimately one that worked for me again like it was definitely heavier than any of the guardians movies we've seen so far at least i think um pretty far and away but probably heavier like,
0: than any MC movie besides you know the obvious exceptions
1: sure but that being said like i still think it had a lot of the charm of the first two like i don't think it like sacrificed one for the other
0: yeah i think it it was an interesting experience seeing the movie last night. You know, we living in New York have the luxury of seeing these movies pretty much anytime on opening weekend with a full crowd. Not that that's not true in other places, but it's especially true, I think, in New York, where there is an avid moving going population. And, you know, we're going on opening night to what is probably like the most sought-after movie theater in New York for watching these sort of big sort of action blockbuster flicks. And I just I mean, I kind of just and I and I turned to you after and I don't want to dig too much into this because I think it maybe doesn't it maybe belies how I you know really feel about the movie when we get down to nuts and bolts. But I think it's very telling that when I turned to you after the film, I was like, it's kind of sad that even though I think I liked this movie, it all just feels a little bit lame. Like I just sort of feel de-energized by the whole production of it all. And that has nothing to do with, I think, the specifics of Guardian 3. I mean, maybe maybe it does. Like, maybe it's the fact that it doesn't feel original or fresh anymore. I remember when Guardians 1 came out. I mean, that felt really awesome. And I, was, I mean, at the time, you hadn't seen Star Wars or and really gotten too much into, like, the sci-fi genre. But for me, as someone who really enjoyed sci-fi a lot, that was a cool, fresh take. I thought it was really charming, really funny. I know Scott Harvey often talks about how he thinks that that is, like, the sort of first film in the MCU that really signaled a really bad trend that was every single minute of the film has to be stuffed with jokes. And I do see what he's saying to an extent when he says that, but I think the luxury of guardians, of the Galaxy was that I found a lot of those jokes to be funny and very effective. Whereas maybe it encouraged Marvel movies in the future to try and be that funny without actually having the comic chops or comedic chops to actually deliver on that. I did find that guardians and, and what Gunn was able to do with the first movie pretty effectively capture that and it it felt fresh at the time for the mcu whereas now it feels like every film in the franchise is sort of like this and i think that is not a guardians 3 problem but the fact is that guardians 3 lives in the it lives in this world with these other movies and unfortunately suffers from the consequences of you know being misguided in other films maybe but to talk more specifically about guardians 3 like i think i liked this movie like I, i was sort of mid expectations like i i I it had to be better than Ant-Man and the Wasp: Mania. I just like it had to be. Like I knew it had to be. James Gunn, yes, Volume Two, I think is like a super mid movie. But his first Guardians film was really good. Suicide Squad was good, certainly good enough, in my opinion. And there was just no way he was going to put out like a two star, a two star entry in the MCU. And he didn't. Like he didn't. He didn't. I think that you know there have been, I think understandable critiques of the film trying to be a little bit manipulative with making you feel certain ways about rocket and other characters by essentially how it approaches Rocket's story and it being, and that, and a product of that is that it makes you feel manipulated in terms of what it's showing you on screen in terms. I don't want to get too much into spoils. We can talk about it later. I do understand where those people are coming from and how it's, it can be a mean movie in that way. But that said, like I still think I had a good time. It's not as good as the first Guardians movie. Honestly, it's not close to as good as the first Guardians movie. But I think it is an improvement on volume two. And I think this is just like comfortably in the middle of the 32 MCU films like it. And in that sense, maybe it is a return to form. Like maybe it is a return to form because, frankly, there aren't that many films in the MCU that are four stars or better. There really isn't. And I think maybe we got really spoiled in in back to back years in 2018 and 2019 with Infinity War and Endgame. And Spider-Man Homecoming also being in that stretch of films and coming before that things like, you know, Winter Soldier. That was a few years before, of course. But there there was a run in there where you, I think there was a lot of really easy things to point to and be like Marvel. Yes, they're still putting out plenty of three, three and a half star movies, but they're putting out four and four and a half star and then five stars, you know, within game pretty regularly um, or regularly enough. But they haven't been able to do that since. I mean, No Way Home is such a unique piece of filmmaking I think I gave it four stars on Letterboxd, but like I'm not sure that film is four stars because of the MCU like I think that if you take if you just isolate that the MCU element which is is impossible to do I understand that I'm not sure that that the component parts are really there to add up to a four but I just think that we got spoiled and in 2023 having having my 32nd MCU film being a three three and a half star plus movie it's it's that's just not good enough anymore when we're getting three or four of these a year. Unfortunately, like we're, we're just being so exhausted. I do think the MCU element. I mean, it's hard to not talk about the TV shows. I think because I think that is such a huge contributor to making it feel even more diluted. Because, yes, even even though three movies a year is a lot. I think that when you're also stacking that with how many shows have there been seven, eight, nine shows at this point. You're giving me a weird look, Jay, but there's at least seven. Um, it's it's crazy, right? WandaVision, Loki, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, She-Hulk, She Hulk, Hawkeye. Wow,
1: that's There's six two only. more.
0: I know there's two more in here that I'm forgetting.
1: I believe uh, you. I'm just shook. Uh, yeah, it, it's cra- it's crazy how many
0: that there are. There's like seven TV shows, and I don't know. Like it's just it's not it's not enchanting uh, in that way, and it, and it is a drag, I think overall. So it I think. The, I mean, I haven't even really talked about the film itself. I do think that it still manages to, you know, put out a great soundtrack. I mean, that's one of the things I think is so charming is how it does effectively use music. I think it's still very good, still very good and competent at doing that. I agree. I think Chris Pratt. I people love to rag on Chris Pratt. I think, and you know, maybe he deserves it in other respects. He's in like every franchise known to man at this point, and I feel like he has no identity outside of being the franchise guy. At this point, which is fair enough, whatever. I don't really care about that. I think he's good as Star Lord. I do think that he's good. I, I sort of I was watching the film and I sort of was like, I kind of get it. This guy's Star like he is. He is Star Lord. He's good at it. Um, And I think the rest of this cast is comfortable enough. I will say, like, I'm so glad that Dave Bautista doesn't have to be Drax anymore. I feel so bad for that guy. Honestly, like he's good as Drax, but he is so wasted playing Drax. He really is. Um, Amen. Also kind of looking at Palm Clementif as mantis and i was looking at her filmography today jay she's done like two movies that aren't in the mcu i'm like i know she's in mission impossible dead reckoning part one and two and she's playing like a like a, a henchman of the villain of the main villain in that movie like thank god she's doing something outside the mcu like l- the woman has literally not done a non-mcu film since 2017 which she's in two. like it's crazy i mean i know that's a personal choice i'm sure she could have gotten other projects if she wanted to be working um you know more aggressively but she's been in a ton of mcu movies and she hasn't had the time, I guess, or as much time as she'd like to, to, to work on other stuff. And I'm hoping that she can branch out. I just feel that way. You know, it's really strange. Bradley Cooper's great. It's a voice role, though. Like, he's not, like, super involved in the film, and he's absent for most of this one. I know he's doing the baby rocket voice, but I don't know. It doesn't really seem like there's a lot to do. I think the main problem with this is, as much as I think all oh, of this cast is good, and I think Karen Gillan's good. I've left her out, but I think Karen Gillan is also good as Nebula. I think the main problem in this for me is that In spite of these being good characters, I'm just like not sure that they're really asked to do very much. It feels like all these characters have their arc or whatever in this film. But when I've when I've been like reflecting on it in the last like 24 hours, I'm just like, what were these people's arcs? Like Peter's getting over Gamora? Like, okay, did we need a two and a half hour film to do that? Like it doesn't feel like very much happens in that arc. And there is a point at the beginning where he's, you know, drowning his sorrows in you know whatever liquor he's drinking in the in the bar and then there's the end where he sort of accepts the fact that this version of Gamora that's left in the world the one that's been pulled forward from 2014 the previous the different timeline isn't the Gamora that he fell in love with. like he accepts that but there's like there's like no character growth in the middle of the movie to point to that and I think that's true of almost every character honestly um, you know like maybe Nebula is the one who like actually has an arc in this movie I don't know. I, I, I'm just super bummed by that because I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of style. I just don't think there's a lot of substance in the film. I, obviously, this film is, is centered around Rocket and his backstory. And maybe you get the most there. And I think that you do. Obviously, you get, um, you know, the, the motivations of the villain for the backstory. You know, people say Marvel always has a villain problem. I don't think the villain was the problem in this movie. I think the villain. Yes, he's like one dimensional, super mega villain, evil guy. But whatever they, whatever the ingredients they were cooking with for the high evolutionary and the performance of Chikwudi Awuji, like I thought it was perfect. Like he was dialed up to eleven, and there's nothing wrong with having a sort of over-the-top, one-dimensional villain if you if you tow that line the right way. And he's crazy enough, and this world is sort of out there enough for it to just work. And I think that it did. So overall, I thought that the villain arc was good i think the stuff with rocket was good although i recognize there are some complaints out there about that i enjoyed watching it again even though there was no substance there was enough style where i never was really bored watching the movie i know jay i don't know if you if your feelings have changed about that i know last night you said you felt like you were a little bit bored through large spots of the movie i didn't personally feel that way i do get where you're coming from and i'll let you elaborate maybe some more on that but overall i just you know I, i enjoyed it but it's not I don't feel full, I guess is the way that I would say uh, how I feel after the movie. I enjoyed the meal, but I don't feel full.
1: I mean, I think that's a not inaccurate way to characterize it on my side. Like, I'm maybe a little bit less full than you. I do remember... (laughs) Even less full. (laughs) What what, what should I be
0: saying? Less full? No, 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 no. I was just making a joke. It's just like, I'm not full and you're even less full. There we go. It wasn't, I wasn't making fun of what you said. I just thought it was, I just thought it was a funny thing to say.
1: Fair enough. yeah i mean i can't really describe it it's not that higher rated in my like in my book higher rated mcu films have been less predictable than this one Mm -hmm. but part of it i mean you talk about it is a lot of style not a lot of substance i think i agree that in terms of like character arcs there aren't really a whole lot um
0: i think that might even be generous
1: yeah no and then on top of that you know i I did just kind of feel bored because I kind of felt like, all right, we're definitely going from this to this and this sure. is going to happen. And I'm, I don't know. I'm the kind of person weirdly, like, you know, I, I really try to turn my brain off about like what's coming next. Like, even if I feel like I know yeah. it's not usually the end of the world, but like, I, I really try to just like, you know, not, even if it feels like super obvious, I think I, think I gave you an example of something that happened on like Shits Creek that like everyone saw coming. And I was like, sure. I turned my brain off. I was like, no, I, I don't I don't want to see this coming. And, and again, not that the predictability was bad, but I think there was just not a lot happening. It was more like, okay, yes, we're gonna do this scene, and then we're gonna mm-hmm. go to there and we're gonna mm-hmm. do this. Like I mean, we we can get into like minor Go for it. Spoilers, can start the movie, about spoilers. right? So I think like, it's fine. Sure. I mean, so we, we have that one scene where Rocket doesn't die, right? And I remember that you know, bits of that being shown in the trailers, and I Try really hard these days not to watch trailers, though, when you show up to, you know, a movie at the theater, inevitably, unless you're timing it really, really well, you're going to catch at least a couple. And I'd seen a couple of shots in this trailer where it looks like they're trying really hard to convince you Rocket's going to die. And even though, like, I don't think most moviegoers, even without having seen the trailer, would have thought Rocket was going to die at that point, I didn't really feel... Anything like it was just fake tension, and I know that like that's not that's not unique to this movie, right? Like I don't know what it was.
0: Well, you've just been you've just been conditioned by the MCU that nobody, no main character really is ever going to be truly gone and left behind.
1: Whatever that means. Not even James Gunn's fault. Like I don't know if you saw the stuff that came out this week that came out this week that he actually wanted to kill Gamora in Guardians two, and sure, I I don't know if he. No, I
0: I don't think to be clear, and I I don't I guess I haven't said this on the podcast yet, but I was I was texting scott harvey um obviously (laughs) named founder of, of the show um and i was saying i don't even think like what what we saw on the screen in certain parts i'm sure that's not even what james gunn wanted like i'm sure of that i have no doubt about that like at the end of the film i'll just go ahead and say it like star lord is alive and he has a second post credit scene where he's talking with someone and they could leave it in a position where you're never going to see Star-Lord again, but they have to put the title card at the end of the movie that says the legendary Star-Lord will return. And everybody in the audience is cheering Jay. And I was just like, this is so incredibly lame. And the, and I just genuinely, I, I genuinely, there's no way that James Gunn wants anyone else to direct Star-Lord in a movie. Like, I'm sure that he, want, he would rather none of these characters ever appear in an MCU movie again. But like, that's just, it's not going to happen. You know, just like, just like Rocket's not going to die, like Star-Lord's not going to go away because there's some amount of money that they'll pay Chris Pratt to come, you know, make some cameo in a different movie so they can advertise that he's in it. It's just like it, it's it's creatively bankrupt, I think it's fair to say. Um and if you think that's too far, I think it's at least like creatively uninteresting.
1: I think that's fair. I hope James Gunn does it differently uh, now that he's got his own comic book studio in his hands. But... Yeah, well,
0: who's uh who's his boss? Does he still have a boss? I think he does.
1: Has he? I'm not under the impression that he does. Yeah, but...
0: the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery who pays him money oh, to make sure. Movies. Well, if you're
1: going to go like, at, at that point, yeah. But I'm but saying
0: that good. that's why he doesn't have full creative control because if David Zaslav rolls up and is like, hey, I'd really like you to make twice as much money on these movies and here's how I think you should do it. James Gunn could quit, I guess. But like, you know, you're, you're the people you love are, aren't aren't ever really gone. I think that, I think that's just like a, a, a thing that we have to accept about, you know, modern day comic book movie Capitalism is that like how many years until Robert Downey Jr. makes a cameo in an MCU movie?
1: I hear it might not be that many, and that's exactly. That, I don't love That's that. what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't love that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, comic book capitalism, I guess, like you know, you sum it up nicely. Like, what are we gonna do? I it, it's not that you and again, it's not that that necessarily takes all the tension out of the movie, and that's not like solely responsible for like my mm-hmm. feelings of boredom just to like come back to this one. Sure, but I, I think you hit it on the head, and it's definitely like a big part of it. I mean, I candidly was shocked they didn't kill a single.
0: I know, orb. I'm I'm still like, surprised they didn't one.
1: I I don't know. I mean, and they they
0: could have killed Starlord at the end. I, I thought for sure they were going to for a second. I had half a half a second. Oh, I thought he, that they was going to die. He wasn't
1: going to die trying I to like know. catch his iPod. Like that was the like at that moment. I'm like, this is a fake out, and you know, sure. Adam Warlock hasn't had his like big heroic sure. moment yet. Um, mister, I don't think about what's going to come next in the movie ever. <laughs> well, no, seriously. That, that was, that was one of those beats. I'm like, this is so obvious, right? It wouldn't like, have been so much
0: better if he had died,
1: but died saving his iPod. Like, It'd be as funny a, though.
0: I mean, like, it's a funny way to go. I mean, come on. It's funny.
1: Only if he, only if his last words would have been the actual first F bomb of the MCU. Well, especially because <laughs> he
0: was getting the iPod for rocket. Like he, like he was doing this thing for his friend that he saved. Like, it, yes, he's just getting an iPod, but, like, he gives it to Rocket. Like, he wants Rocket to have it, and...
1: Right, I guess we didn't know that while that was happening, right? Yeah, sure. I'm not, it's I'm not hard. Really to, it'd be hard to do.
0: communicate that beforehand.
1: Yeah, like, unless... But. I mean, yeah, I don't want to, like, sit here and come up with a way they could have, like, you know, there was an engraving on the back, like, to Rocket. I don't, you know, we don't have to... We don't have to make that up. But, yeah, in, in that moment, again, just another moment uh, or instance of... Okay, like... Go ahead, like pretend to kill him, you know, I'll, I'll sit here and be like, oh no, um, uh-huh. do we I mean again, we've gone full spoiler here is is itwuji dead? like we never actually saw him die
0: I don't I mean technically no, I don't think he's dead i don't I don't think he was killed he, he I mean, rocket could have killed him, but then he chose not to,
1: right, but like the ship like the ship exploded by the yeah. end, and right? we didn't see like, the body I mean, though so that's what I'm saying alive. like. Oh, I mean, that's just it, right? Like another another case of are are we are you gonna come back? I mean, like maybe he's just dead. Like who knows? But
0: I mean, they may need him to replace Kang. So I'm only half joking.
1: I mean, like what? How would that even? I don't, I don't even know. know how that would work. I don't want to get into it. That, that's did not I didn't I didn't thing. mean that to be a
0: separate conversation starter, but I'm like they they might need a new supervillain soon.
1: <laughs> so. No, sure, sure.
0: Maybe they just recast him as Kang. I don't know.
1: I mean, yeah, you could you could spin up something about how this was like a variant of Kang that just like found his way into this universe and I sure. don't know.
0: Anything's possible.
1: Anything's possible. No one's ever really gone.
0: I, I sort of threw out a lot of random thoughts about the cast here, but I think it's worth spending a few minutes talking about the ensemble. There's, of course, Pratt, Batista, Gillen, Clemente, Bradley Cooper, who voices Rocket, Vin Diesel, who voices Rocket, who, I mean, has to have one of the borderline True. most offensive moments go. in the in the did I said rocket, yeah. Sorry, Groot um, has to have one of the worst moments in the film. I'm sorry, like what a terrible moment in the film when he when he says "I love you guys" or whatever. I wanted to go, ga- I'm going to rip my ears off when I heard
1: that. I was like, oh, I I think I out. saw you try. <laughs> yeah, I I was in
0: shock. Um, and of course people cheered. So there you go. I'm, I'm wrong and they're right. But th- that's like obviously the the guardians. But there's also people like Chikudi Awuji. There's Will Poulter, who plays Adam. Whose last name, you know, maybe more commonly known as Adam Warlock, but it's just called Adam in this movie. And are there other people that I'm missing? There's probably someone else that I missing. We haven't I'm...
1: talked about Zoe Saldana and you left. Right, out she is Karen still in Gillen this movie this... who
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's is... I know this is this is just my broken avatar-riddled brain. Uh, but man, I heard my Jake so many times. <laughs> oh no, movie. I'm with you. And like oh, I my gosh, when, I you, when you
1: leaned it. over and whispered it to me, I can't remember exactly which scene. It was early in the movie, but there was yeah. a scene where she's, you know, kind of going off.
0: She's like yelling. She's like yeah, yelling yeah. at someone. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And oh, I, like, I, I, I I heard it too. Yeah. No, I mean, maybe you've broken my brain too with all your avatar propaganda, you're welcome. but you're
0: welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah. So no, sorry. Definitely... There's the ensemble cast. If you want to talk about Zoe Saldana, go for it. I mean, obviously she has a different role here. Cause she's playing a different Gamora, but where, where would you like
1: to go? I mean, we can talk about her. It's tough, right? Cause it's, it is a different Gamora and I, ultimately don't feel a whole lot for this Gamora like
0: yeah because also guess... it's been over four years since you know we met this Gamora and she hasn't been in it I don't think she's been in a different MCU met film she sort of flew, flew off at the end of, of Endgame
1: right we didn't, we didn't even actually see her fly off that seems cut from the movie um sure so we we were like no idea what happened to her and you know now she's a ravager which okay fine and
0: yeah with Sylvester Stallone incredible
1: Oh yeah, no, I can't, yeah. can't forget about him. And yeah, I mean there's, there's just not a whole lot. Like you know, it's cool for her of course, like as a professional to be there with the rest of the Guardian like the you know, actors in the cast who like, you know, they've done this whole franchise together, but like this particular iteration of Gamora, I'm just kind of like like I feel for you. She's cause... got
0: she's got nothing going on in this movie by the way. Like she's in most of it, not nothing. No character development at all in this film.
1: I mean her. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't even know what She you goes call from it hating Peter Steven. Quill at the beginning of the
0: movie to hating him slightly less and accepting him for who he is, I guess. That doesn't feel like much of a character arc.
1: Yeah, no, there, was a, there wasn't a whole bunch there. And again, no. like, it's tough, because, like, I also really like Zoe Saldana. And sure, fun fact, I don't even know if, like, I, I must have mentioned this on a podcast once upon a time. Um, okay. But she actually, like, Paid for a bunch of tickets to the first Guardians movie at the, like the AMC in Santa Monica that I went to. And I was like one of those people that just like when I went to buy a ticket, they were like, oh, I was always held on. like bought a bunch of tickets. Like, you know, well, now,
0: now Marvel buys over. out movie theaters on opening weekend in in the suburbs and no one goes just so they can pump up their box office numbers. So there you go.
1: Color me shocked. Um, no, and I, you know, she, I mean, I've, I've liked her in the previous films and like it's not that I didn't like her, right? But it was just like, what are we even doing? with this iteration of Mm -hmm. Gamora. so
0: She's an an object for Quill, which I think is such a huge bummer because one of the things that I was thinking about is that this... I I try not to talk about this too much because so many movies do this and it's exhausting to talk about. And it's not like the MCU is, is unique in doing this. There's plenty of other films that do it all the time. But this film is like super, super guilty of fridging. I mean, like literally all of Quill's motivation is like... Well, I should say half of his motivation is, like, losing his friend, obviously. The other half is, like, he's just sad that his, you know, his girlfriend died. Like, that's the other half of his motivations. And Rocket is just, like, super mad. One, because he was experimenting on But two, they killed his girlfriend, basically. They killed his otter girlfriend in the flashbacks. Like, he's just, like, everything, every motivation in this film. Like, Drax's entire motivation is that his family was killed by by Thanos or whatever. (laughs) That's his entire motivation. It's just, like, wild. Like, everyone, like, the main motivation for these people like for like half the people in this movie is just that some woman that where they were close with died. like it's just like kind of kind of wild how like we can't get more creative than that
1: it's tough and i mean again you could point to this as like a, oh this happens in like comic book movies all the time but it's tough and non-comic and comic like, book it's...
0: movies to be oh sure to be totally, fair too totally. it's, a, it's not just a comic book movie problem
1: yeah and i don't know like you you ultimately like throwing in a joke about it you know with the recanting of like you know, my girlfriend died, like, you know, being thrown off a magic cliff and like everyone else was brought back, but she wasn't. It was the cliff's fault. Like, you joking about it It doesn't make it like,
0: okay, you know? I I mean, I do think that's the rare exception, right? Where like, you know, even though I have just said that, like, it's not interesting from a Chris Pratt narrative arc. It it was an interesting point for like Gamora's arc, though. Like, Like, I don't really hold that one against him too much because like Thanos killing his daughter or whatever and her not believing that he loved her and and that whole like arc in infinity war, I think works. But like, obviously like the fact that, you know, it's four or five years later or whatever. And Peter Quill is still drunk every day and night about it, It's not interesting. It's not an interesting character point to be in, which I, I guess is the point that you're making.
1: I mean, I almost wonder if you could have just include, if you, if you hadn't brought her back in end game, mm-hmm. if you could have just included her like in flashbacks and still kept her in guardians three, like it could have been, it could still be, like, you know, Quill's all upset that she's dead, but, like, it can be, a like, I mean, again, I, I'm not going to, like, sit here and try to rewrite the movie. I just, like, wonder if this could have been an option. and yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe one that Gunn himself, like, might have been on board with. Like, if he killed off Gamora in part, in volume two, I'm not sure she wouldn't have shown up in volume three, but...
0: It's an interesting question. I I will say I was saving this to be the next topic of conversation, but why don't we just start it in here? Because I I think it is relevant and I still want to get back to talking about maybe some other actors or actresses that you enjoyed. But one of the things that I've been thinking about today is the truth is this was supposed to be the first movie in the MCU after the after the Infinity Saga ended. I think this was supposed to be the first movie after Spider-Man Far From Home. Maybe even before Spider-Man Far From Home. And then, of course, all the drama with James Gunn happened in 2018 where they fired him. And then three or four months later they rehired him, but he'd already signed on to do suicide squad. And so the film had to be delayed years so he could make suicide squad and then come back and make volume three. A couple, a couple notes about that one. I, I think that the arc that you're describing for Gamora and star Lord feels different, you know, a year or nine months after Endgame game came out in theaters than it does four plus years later. I think that it genuinely feels better, feels different. Second, we're not totally torched on like MCU properties four years later. And so, the, you know, all that stuff that I was saying at the beginning is not that it's a non factor in, in the experience of the movie, but it's certainly less exacerbated than it has been by everything that's happened in the last two, two and a half years in the MCU. So I do wonder what you make of that. Like, a, once upon a time, this was supposed to, this movie was supposed to come out at the end of 2019. or. Start of 2020, whatever it was supposed to be. And instead, obviously, from things outside of the movie's control, things shuffled dramatically. And I don't think the story was completely rewritten to accommodate that. Because this film feels out of place. I mean, frankly, it feels I mean, most of the films at this point in the MCU feel out of place. Like maybe not Quantum Mania, I guess, although that wasn't a very good movie. But like this film feels out of place four years after Endgame.
1: It's an interesting point. I mean, I hadn't really thought about it in the context of like all the pushbacks. Like I'm I definitely wasn't it wasn't out of mind that gun had been fired and then re-brought back or brought back but it I guess that that is an interesting point that like if, if this movie does come out a few years earlier I'm probably like at least a little bit higher on it like even if you know the story is more or less the same I think I think you're absolutely right it does feel very out of place it, it feels like overdue almost right and like maybe that's part of the reason there was so much excitement behind it was like oh we're finally getting guardians three but I don't know. Maybe, maybe just the fact that it's come after this onslaught of content that we've been talking about, this onslaught of like, you know, not very exciting content on a whole that we've been talking about. Maybe it does do a little bit better. And that's just, that's just sucky to say, right? Cause, you know, I mean, you, you talked about the, how much you love the first one. Like, I, again, not being as into the sci fi genre at the time it came out, still like absolutely loved it. And at this point, it definitely was top five MCU for a while for me. I don't know if it's quite there at this point. It's probably just outside at this in in the year twenty twenty three. But I don't know. It might have been just. It might have felt to me like a more satisfying conclusion to the trilogy if it had come out. Yeah,
0: even more so than than Far From Home. I feel like it's a film that feels so intimately still connected to Endgame, mainly because yes, the whole rocket thing is is not a direct pull from endgame or from volume two but the relationship to the sovereign and elizabeth debicki's character and you i mean you're getting adam warlock teased at the end of volume two or whatever like those films feel like temporally connected to stuff that happens a in endgame with gamora's death but b stuff that happened in volume two six years ago now in terms of when we originally got the movie and so it feels like it's a especially when you have so many movies in between like it's not like this movie was delayed 3 years and so we didn't get any movies for 3 years. It's like this movie was delayed 3 years and we got 6 or 7 films and 5 or 6 or 7 TV shows or whatever it is. Right? Like you had all this stuff sort of like layered in the middle of it. And like I'm not gonna, I'm not going to go rewatch volume 2 to, before and like in game and whatever like do do an MCU rewatch to, for this movie, but like it kind of feels like it would have not necessarily hit different 3 whatever years ago. But I think it would have been more effective as not just an end cap to a Guardians trilogy, but also, you know, a sort of secondary epilogue sort of paired with, with far from home to the infinity saga. Like it still feels like it belongs in the infinity saga as a, a sort of narrative exercise, even though I think it's narratively lacking in some ways. And it could have segued into again, sort of the next generation of MCU superheroes or whatever that, has been then started to roll out with Shang-Chi, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so, again, it just feels out of place so many years later. I don't know. I, I, I kind of, it's something that I've been stuck on, you know, thinking about.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I was able to pinpoint it quite the way you did, but you say that and it like absolutely resonates.
0: Yeah. Okay. Anyway, b- back to actors. We, Gamora, you know, maybe not much to do, but it's nice that Zoe Saldana gets to be in the film. Are there people who did stand out to you? I, I I know I had mentioned the villain. I don't know if you felt the same way. Chikuti Awuji.
1: I did. Uh, I'll take my time to talk about Karen Gillan, though. Always yes. a pleasure. She. Sure. I mean, I don't know what it is. I just think she's, like, really funny. And, like, she plays is. the, yes. like, just, like, you know, Stone Cold cyborg, like, really well. I don't know if cyborg is technically the right word, so I'm so sorry if I'm just, like, watching that. But I... I mean, I, I think she's funny. And, like, you know, at the beginning, like, I don't, I don't know how much they actually do with this. Like, they, they mention it a little bit at the beginning and a little bit at the end. But it does kind of feel like she is kind of, like, holding the team together a little bit. Or, like, you know, or at least trying to, like, you know, keep the Guardians the Guardians. And, like, the one kind of, like, focused on the mission of the team. And it's nice to see that from her, right? Like, it, you know, you, you think about where she started. Bitter Cold Alone. You know, understandably, she was at the start of all this and you know i think we got a nice beat for that character in uh end game yep and i think this was a good like you know i don't know if we'll ever see karen gillen in this role again but if not like i, I thought it was a good enough performance like a-, a good enough even though her arc isn't a whole lot like i did enjoy her on screen like if this is the send-off like fine like you know this is another instance of like i don't need this character to come back especially directed by someone else like you talked about you know no one James Gunn probably doesn't want anyone else directing Star-Lord like I imagine it feels similarly about Nebula going forward as well um
0: I mean that's not his decision ultimately but no of course
1: not I'm just it's not mine either unfortunately but (laughs) it uh works for me
0: yeah look I think Karen Gillan's great and and you say that she doesn't have much of an arc (laughs) that may be true but I think she has more arc than most other people in the cast in this film, because like, I think the stuff that you were saying about seeing her really sort of emerge as—I mean, a she started as a as a basically a, a side villain in the first Guardians movie, and to see her evolve into not just a member of the Guardians, but pretty much the only person who seems to have any like traject like mental faculty to put the Guardians on a trajectory other than Quill, like everyone else, like you just like look around the Guardians here because Gamora is not there, right? Not in the same capacity, at least. Like she's the only one left who's like able to keep anyone on track for anything, I feel like. So I think that you sort of see her blossom into that role. And I think the note that they end her on and the sort of slight emotional arc they they launch for her in the second half of the film. And I think some of the perspective that her character is able to gain through, you know, some hard lessons maybe with with Mantis. I think that is more than a lot of the other characters get in the film. And In that sense, I think it's, again, maybe it is barren a little bit still in terms of the narrative richness of the character arc, but I still appreciate it, and I think part of that is Gill and selling the performance. I think that you can sort of see her lighten a little, like her, like almost like she's lightening up a little bit over the course of the film, and I think that's, obviously, her character is played for an extreme, to an extreme most of the time, especially in the earlier movies, and I think part of her arc in this one is learning to let loose a little bit more. Well said. All right, uh, I think we've probably said enough about characters. I don't really know if, if you want to, if you want to mention anyone else, feel free to. But I'd I like to talk about something that has been a plague of the MCU for as long as I can remember at this point now, and and that is the the VFX and the action and the set pieces, and I think those are obviously interconnected but different issues, and. I'm going to go out and say, I think this film looks good. I don't think this film looks bad. I don't think it looks anything like Wakanda forever or Quantumania. I don't even remember the movie that came out before Wakanda forever. I know the multiverse of madness also came so out. Dr.
1: Strange. Yeah. I was say. Is that
0: the last one before Wakanda forever though? Wasn't there another one? No, was there not
1: love and thunder? Oh,
0: yeah. Well, we can definitely include that one. In the <laughs> that look Good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think this one doesn't have that problem personally. and Maybe it's because this, You don't have this massive, I don't know, cityscape of, I don't know, like 480p textures sitting behind the characters like it felt like they did in Quantumania. Uh, Like, a lot of the time, it's just space in the background. But I thought the movie looked pretty good. I thought the action sequences weren't necessarily better than a lot of the MCU stuff, though. You know, I haven't really, I mean, I haven't rewatched Marvel movies since 2018, since before Infinity War. Basically. So I'd be curious, and, and well, not, trust me, not curious enough to go back and rewatch them, but curious if my thoughts on the action sequences and how I feel now would extend back to much earlier in the MCU. But at, like is typical of these highly CGI'd Marvel films, the editing is so kinetic in the films that it is really hard to follow what is going on. And there is an attempt in this movie to sort of do something really inventive and entertaining from an action set piece that is then set to the, is it the Beastie Boys song? No sleep till Brooklyn. Is that the song that, yeah, you're mm-hmm. nodding. So yeah, me. that's, that's I, the I one messed it up. Sweet. I don't um, know. I
1: don't know if that's. I, I think that's them, but that's definitely the song.
0: Yeah. I think it's Beastie Boys. I'm Scott Harvey can, you know, at me later. If he listens to this, Um, I, I will say that, that I appreciate the effort to do something more interesting with the action. And I think in in a non John Wick world, it might have worked. But one of the one of the I think one of the realities of seeing movies made that just do this type of action the best it possibly can is that you then get scenes like this and other movies where you see how fake it is, and you and like obviously it's fake. Like the camera movement that you're seeing on the screen is so is like anime. It's basically just animation. Like they're not moving the camera that way. And that's fine, but I think when you see someone do it with like actually in camera, doing it naturally, I think it's really jarring to see a movie do it like this. And maybe it's extreme and, and unfair, but I did find some of that sort of like artificial camera movement and whipping around, and re- and like refocusing and lens flaring, I found it to be a little bit nauseating. Um, as as cool as as some people I'm sure are going to find it. Um, that sort of style that I think gun has brought to a lot of other movies. I mean, I think of like the Harley Quinn jailbreak scene and suicide squad. And, you know, maybe I'm sure there's some other scenes in other gun movies that you could point to. Like he clearly has a vision style for it, but this one I'm, I'm probably more negative on this one than a lot of people are going to be. And I didn't find it quite as, uh, quite as effective.
1: I think it was a little bit more positive on it than you were. I mean, I think you, you covered all of our talking points pretty succinctly there uh, that, you know, we, Sorry about that. No, you're fine. I mean, coming out of theater, yeah, I mean, this is what we were talking about, and it's—I actually really liked the no sleep till Brooklyn fight scene. Like, you know, obviously, like the, you know, they're well, not the needle doing that drop. The
0: needle drop really works. I mean, it does work.
1: Yeah, I mean, like yeah. this is a movie that you know really goes for that a lot. Yeah, and it's a
0: franchise that goes for it a lot. So
1: sure, and you know, ultimately, I, it's kind of hit or miss for me, but that one like worked, and I—I I actually found kind of that frenetic energy behind the cameras and the zooms and the pulls and the you know just like keeping it like all one, like you know, it's it's not. Like one camera motion, right? But all one like CGI camera motion, I guess I'll call it like.
0: It, yeah, it's a tracking shot. It is a tr- it's yeah. a tracking shot. You know, for the viewer. And I Obviously, say- there are going to be there are cuts and there is and there is animation involved because obviously they're not putting a camera through a hole in a body. Like they're obviously not doing that. Um, but. It I, is a I, it is a tracking shot for all intents and purposes.
1: Sure, and I would say like that itself, and like it's a shame that this is the case. Like, is above average action sequence for MC for the MCU. Like to me, that yeah. was even earlier and, in
0: the movie. I was watching one. I mean, there's one earlier in the movie that it's just it's uh, it's edited to hell. Like you can't see what's happening at all. Like the first, act, I don't know if this is the one you maybe you were going to reference, but like the first one with Adam Warlock. I mean, they're yeah, no. they are they are editing so fast. Like I didn't even know he was fighting sometimes.
1: It, it was tough and like i feel like mcu movies generally like are really tough when it comes to editing fight scenes and i, I think you know for the most part this movie is probably in line with that with the exception of the one scene that we've mentioned and mm. you know i think you and i probably are a little bit lower on it than most because we've been spoiled by things like john wick like that's another instance of you breaking my brain there like you know you wa- you forced me to watch these movies and You're I'm, welcome. you know, very thankful you did because especially, you know, seeing that fourth one on this like mega IMAX in New York City with the full crowd and the crazy guy, you know, two seats down, like, you know, made it an amazing oh, experience. That was the, cra- that was now, the crazy,
0: like, that was the crazy woman who left for like 15 minutes. The guy was creep oh, sure. 3.
1: Right, right. This is the yeah. Yeah, woman who left, came back and then started asking me what had happened while yeah. she was gone. <laughs> um, man,
0: but I right. really thought that was going to happen to you yesterday too because the seat next to you it was empty and I was like, oh man, someone's going to show up. <laughs> <laughs> no
1: yeah no it uh, it was definitely trending that way but we, we dodged it but no yeah. I mean like you know the John Wick movies really have made it that much harder for me to watch some of these uh, you just notice it. it so things. much
0: more after you see someone do it in a way that is just so frankly flawless in the way they've executed it and it, it makes all of the flaws in other movies so much more noticeable that sucks but it's just like I think it's just a reality of seeing someone executed in, in such a organic way right there's like there is cgi in john wick do not get me wrong but like most of what you're seeing is happening in camera
1: yeah and you know it's not to say it can't be done in a sci-fi context like i think back to the fight in the red room at the end of the last jedi and like you know it's again it's not quite like space blasters which maybe you know makes it like a, a little bit different i guess but like we, we've seen it done in a sci-fi context like, you can have a well shot mm-hmm. fight sequence that isn't like cut to hell yeah. and making me wonder yeah. like what is going on,
0: yeah. So, I mean, action the, there is, there's so there's the no sleep till Brooklyn scene, there's the Adam Warlock scene at the beginning, there's other stuff, I guess, in the film, other set pieces, but those feel like the big ones. There's obviously the end, which I think maybe we should start talking about now. You know, Rocket gets his revenge on the high evolutionary, he is able to. Go back in as the high evolutionary ship is, you know, detonating and exploding and going down. They save all, he is able to not just save the humans that he had imprisoned, not humans, but the humanoids uh, that he had imprisoned on the ship to be sort of the next test subjects for him, but also all the animals as well. And when I was talking earlier about it, the f- film being critiqued by some as being manipulative and kind of mean. I think what that what that is is that like the film is is showing you this this villain murdering like animals in, in the film in, in like the arms of other animals and doing just some like really demented I think it's fair to say demented stuff in terms of experimentation. That is way meaner than I think any MCU film has ever been. I said earlier that this may be the darkest MCU film. I don't even know if i thinking more about that. I'm not sure I even totally agree with that, but I do think it's the meanest MCU film from that sense in terms of how it's like, not that I'm not saying that people don't feel this way, but like most people are not going to watch, you know, Lila get shot in rocket's arms and not feel like an emotional surge seeing that like this, like cute animated, like CG animated live, like into like a live action animal and not feel something when that's happening and feel like pretty pretty mad about it and so again it it, i can understand the manipulation perspective but i do think that manipulated or not i did find sort of like the the payoff on that angle when he does eventually sort of um overcome the high evolutionary and that in his sort of climactic moments to be to be satisfying.
1: fair enough i mean i i guess i don't it's weird, right? Because like, okay, yes. I, the, when you describe it as, you know, there are these two cute animals and one of them gets shot in the arms of the other one. That's like a horrible thing to see and like meant to tug on the heartstrings. It's very, I guess I just find it like a little bit confusing sometimes when people are like, when they, when they are up in arms about the villain of a movie doing something evil.
0: Well, I don't think people you know, are. Like, ma- I mean, to be clear, I don't think people are critiquing that he did this thing. I just think people are saying it's a little manipulative, the way that it is executed.
1: I mean, we have made that claim. Like, if these were like two humans,
0: I don't know. I mean, I, like, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's, like a, reasonable, a, weird it's a reasonable thing question. about like, do
1: we get more freaked out when animals die on screen than when people do? Like, I
0: think, I, I think the know. answer is yes. I think the answer to that question is generally yes. Like, because I think these sort of animals, especially an animal like Lila, this little like experimented on otter like is seen as like extremely vulnerable and unable to defend herself and that's not not that that's not also true of people but like going back to the fridging point earlier it's like this is this extremely weak and vulnerable animal that does not deserve to be shot let alone all the other stuff that's happened to her and the film is utilizing this sort of like really mean violence against her to sort of get a response out of you I, I, I view it as a similar argument to fridging right like this idea that i mean
1: i guess that's just it like to me it's no different than fridging like it's not especially bad i
0: think it gets an even stronger emotional reaction i mean i would expect it to get a stronger emotional reaction out of people than like if rocket were like a human male and like his like i don't know his like in like if he were again if he were a human and his like girlfriend was in here's the and getting shot like i think that the emotional reaction i would expect it to be stronger if it's like a little baby otter Like, I I would just expect that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just like selfish. No, I I think
1: you're right. I I think I'm more just amazing point about like, not not that the, maybe it's a separate point that the reaction is stronger, whether it's an, you know, for an animal versus a human. But I I guess like, I'm, I, even if it's more innocent. It's
0: just more innocent, right? Sure. I I mean,
1: even then, like, even if the, the reaction is stronger in most people, like, is it manipulative? Like, i would say like no yeah, more maybe. than anything else that happens in any movie sure like again you know, i don't
0: necessarily agree with that take i just i, I see what i, I kind of see what they're saying it just wasn't my experience like i didn't i didn't think that way in the movie
1: yeah i mean I, I don't think i did either not again not that i felt less right but i didn't necessarily feel more it was just tough it was like this is life and like life was taken and like again is, like is it's, it life it's horrible <laughs> because you've seen everything she's gone through but i again i don't I don't know. Like, if, if this were, like, two people, right? Like, I don't know if people would be reacting the same way. So, I guess for that reason, like, I just find it different, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think that's fair. I, I think... I guess we're just really accustomed to seeing people dying. I don't know. Like, what what else is it? But also,
0: I just think, like, adults are, like, viewed as less innocent than, you know, these really cute, anim- like, CGI to real life animals, right? Like, I don't know. I mean, obviously, that's, just on, that's what I'm that's, hearing. I'm, I'm just, well, I mean, look, Scott Harvey's right there with you, man. Like he, he would say that, he, I mean, I would not expect Scott to watch this movie and feel and feel very much for these I animals. I didn't feel
1: much. I just didn't feel more than I would have. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it was still, it was still really sad. Let me like, just be clear about that. Like it was not that I didn't feel anything. I wasn't sitting here like, oh, that's an animal. Yeah. Like, you know, no, I know. Was really I know that's sad when the animator yeah. stopped drawing him. Like I'm not Chandler Bing here. It's just like. That, that's a, all right that's a, it's just a deep friends reference like there's a whole thing where he doesn't cry in bambi because it's animated like that's not me it's yeah. more just, i mean look i'm just
0: i'm letting you know i'm not gonna scott go on harvey twitter is, and, is and call this about, i'm just that's saying that like there are like but there are people like that right like that, that that's not like chandler isn't real. like scott harvey does not feel emotions for non-anthropomorphized animals and i think that he would say that he probably doesn't cry in bambi like i don't know i won't speak for him maybe i'll ask him next time he's on the show but i don't I don't think that, that I think that he would be in that boat, and I think that that is legit. I just I just think that the norm like the average person would probably feel more. whether that's manipulative or not I, I, I agree with you like maybe not any more than that's ever happening. I guess the point maybe that I was trying to ultimately get to is that it does again, to go back to sort of the narrative dissatisfaction in it, like wouldn't it be more interesting if they thought a little bit harder about motivations for rocket or like did something else a little bit more interesting than like everyone he knew and loved was murdered. You know what I mean?
1: Sure. I mean, that, that's, that's what we're talking about. Like, you know, I think the stemmed from you mentioning people like discourse around the film being like, that was manipulative, but like, I'm happy to take your side on the manipulative or not. Like it wasn't very interesting given that. Yeah. You know, Drax's character has the same background. Star Lord's character has a very, very similar background. Yeah. Like, you know,
0: his mother, you know. his mother was killed His his girlfriend was killed. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Got them all. <laughs> Anyone he else? killed his father. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, it's very edible of him, I guess. Um, Jay, I'm not sure that there's too much else to cover in this conversation. I might as well talk about the post-credit scene. Jay, I sent, I sent you a tweet from James Gunn. Um, in I this. meant to
1: respond. I typed it you out. Did, when I was you did respond.
0: I yeah, think yeah. I just
1: laughed. Oh, you just I, laughed. Okay. Well, I, I, when I, when I sent, I I sent you this computer. tweet from James Gunn
0: talking about how he really felt like this making Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was this big journey for him. And how it really, I think one of the things that he said, I don't have the tweet open right in front of me, Jay, so you can correct me if I'm getting the details wrong here. But one of the key parts of the tweet is that it felt like he learned a lot about, through the films, valuing life of all kinds. I think it's basically like how he had worded it.
1: Having empathy for all living things.
0: Having empathy for all living things, Jay. And um, maybe James Gunn didn't shoot the post credit scene in this movie. And maybe he never has seen the post credit scene in his movie. But... Um, I full believe, and correct me if I'm wrong here, I believe that the, the remaining Guardians at the end of the film, which are Nebula, Rocket, Groot, I think that's those three, right?
1: That's oh, the, from the, the original Groot, and yeah. And
0: then, yeah, and there's Sean Gunn's character, whose name I don't remember. Um,
1: well, and Adam Warlock is there, and then one of the kids they saved as well.
0: Okay, yeah, the, that's, like, the new Guardians or whatever, and, and they're, like, sitting out in the desert outside this, like, desert town, and... They proceed to massacre a native species population on this planet. And I just have to say, Jay, I, I was flabbergasted that they put this in the movie. Because the film is totally about, like, valuing life of all kinds. Like, it really is about that. And I could not believe what I was watching in this post credit scene. I could not believe I was watching them kill this species. Like, it was unbelievable to me. Like, am I overreacting? I just thought it was wild.
1: No, I mean, I. so what I had typed out and just, like, forgot to hit send on was, like, apparently it doesn't count. If it's just, like, a if it's a pack of, like, yeah. you know, generic, like, hound-like creatures. Like, I don't even yeah. remember. Like, it. yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you. Like, in my mind, like, you know, J- James Gunn, like, you know, finished the movie at, the like, the final, you know, the final pre-credit scene. Like, that's it. Like, everything yeah. after that was not him. Like, when they first split up, when the Guardians scene,
0: split up at the end of the movie.
1: Yeah, well, there's, like, you know, the dancing in the...
0: Sure, yeah, in the streets. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah in yeah. the streets. like that's Yeah, scene. they really they
0: really let him indulge for, like, five minutes in that scene. I was like, we could end the movie now, guys. It's okay.
1: No, sure. <laughs> and I, to me, like, you know, that, that's where his touch ends. Because then you get the first post-credit scene where, yes, like, all of a sudden, it's like, wait, we're going to not value those lives. And then you have the second post-credit scene, you know, which ended with the title card you already mentioned, the legendary Star-Lord will return. I'm just like, everything, you know, once the credit started, that was it. Like, it, you know, yeah. we can just... We should have walked out, Jay. Could have saved ourselves. I mean, hasn't happened today. No, it's it not going to happen. <laughs> I just, I was,
0: I was gobsmacked by the decision on that post credit scene because it doesn't seem important at all. It's not like some like future narrative was being written by including this post credit scene.
1: Yeah, nothing other than like, oh, and this is what the guardians look like in case we ever decide to bring them back. Yeah, but I like know. maybe not even because like that film is, as far as we know like not even in pre-production like has not been announced like they could just totally they are advertising this movie. film
0: as the last guardians movie and whether these characters appear in some spin-off, you know within the mcu who knows yeah but.
1: or you know come back in a, sure. a multiversal war or something like yeah who knows but indeed we we didn't need it i'm i'm, I'm there with you like i yeah. i'm generally higher on post-credit scenes than you are i know you've had your your, your chief complaint, if I'm not wrong, has been that they tease They're things irrelevant. that are not going to pay off yeah. for, like, six years. And sometimes they don't even pay off. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And, you know, I guess this isn't teasing a whole lot.
0: Mm-hmm. But it
1: definitely, like, you know, <laughs> is problematic because, you know, value all life. And then, yeah, let's just go, like, slaughter a bunch of... I'm not sure what they were. but
0: Yeah, I mean, look, not not to get into sort of a, a post-credits manifesto here. But, like, once upon a time, the post credit scenes in Marvel movies, just teased the next film. They they just teased the next movie that was coming out. And now we have shit that's teasing. Like, you remember what happened in the Shang-Chi post-credit scene? Jay, do you remember what happened at in, in the post-credit scene of Eternals? Do you remember what
1: happened in the post-credit scene of Dr. Strange, and the multiverse of madness? I mean, the answer to all those is yes, but like, I wish I didn't.
0: Cause... No, but I'm saying, I'm not, it's not a trick question. Like you remember, but like, it's not relevant. <laughs> like,
1: no, That's not going to be for a while like, like Dude, the whole thing they got love and thunder man <laughs> in terms of post-credit scenes well i remember the one
0: where they're running out of the ship or whatever what's the other one
1: uh hercules
0: right oh don't even get me oh no Oh,
1: he's here he's there he's every f and where i almost dropped the first f-bomb he's Scott. like it's got, but i couldn't do it <laughs> uh, i'm pretty
0: sure i've used it before no, anyway no
1: I feel like you discouraged me once upon a time. I
0: think I try not to because I'm too lazy to go in and put the put the explicit tag on the episodes. Um, Fair enough.
1: Well, now you don't have to.
0: uh, Yeah, I don't have to. So there you go. Anything else you want to talk about, Jay, or should we get out of here?
1: It's it's time to go. I'm ready to put the MCU to bed until November.
0: All right. Tuck it in. That should do it for our discussion of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. What's your favorite scene or moment?
1: Yeah, I would, I would go ahead and say my favorite scene is uh, when Rocket is finally fighting the high evolutionary at the end. And he has that big moment, you know, where like he, you know, cocks the gun and goes, you know, I'm Rocket Raccoon. Like it was yeah. just a nice like button on the franchise Like we've never actually gotten that. Because and, he
0: hates being called a raccoon.
1: Sure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I do think I really go back and forth on whether I think it's funny or not that everyone continues to identify him as a different, you know, he's a badger, he's a squirrel, he's a rabbit, like depending on. Who's talking I, I really go back and forth on whether or not I think that's funny but ultimately you know him having that moment of like you know seeing raccoon on his little tag and then you know being like I'm rocket raccoon like it was it was just a nice little button uh for me like on his character just you know coming to that place of like self-acceptance and you know this is who I am like it was, it was just like a cool like comic bookie moment for me mm-hmm we didn't talk
0: too much about Nathan Fillion, who has a minor role in this film, but there's some bits uh, with Nathan Fillion that I actually found to be really funny in this film. And probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie is when he almost discovers them the first time. So this is when they're infiltrating. Is it Ogle Scope? What's the, what's the name of the
1: company called? I, I think that was it.
0: OK, yeah, it's basically the company that sort of fronts for the high evolutionaries, like science projects is how I interpreted it.
1: Orgoscope, uh, sorry. Orgoscope, or no. I was close. Orgoscope.
0: And they, yeah. so they're invading Orgoscope because they're trying to, you know, m- very McGuffin they're trying to get the key to the kill switch so that they can that they The can override the code. The override code for Hit the kill MacGuffin's switch. your MacGuffins right, man. I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the override code for the for the kill switch. And as a part of this, they are invading this headquarters that's heavily guarded and hev- heavily sentried. And right as they enter the base of Ogle, Oglescope,
1: OrgoScope.
0: OrgoScope. That makes more sense. The he- the,
1: that's the orgo-scope, OrgoScope. The headquarters of the ev- high Evolutionaries company, OrgoScope. OrgoCorp. Orgo-scope. Wow.
0: <laughs> it's OrgoCorp. It's not OrgoScope.
1: The OrgoScope is the location. It is the headquarters of okay. the high Evolutionaries company. We've orgo-scope. already spent more
0: time than I wanted to on this. Anyway, as they as they infiltrate this, they are confronted by the sort of head of the I don't know this the security team in charge of protecting. The orgo scope. And Sorry, it's
1: actually the orgo sphere. I'm like reading the Wikipedia entry oh trying to get yeah. this right. It's it's all three things: the orgo sphere. Final answer.
0: Okay, protecting something related to OrgoCorp. And there's this bit where Star Lord and Nathan Fillion's characters make fun of their right hand men. So Drax, in the case of um, Star Lord, and I don't know the name of the character that Nathan Fillion's. Um, chief of security is making fun of but they're basically like he's the dumb one like we don't know what to do with them and I just found the whole I'm not gonna do the bit justice so I'm not gonna play it out but it was very i found it to be very very funny especially when it came back up again later like you know 15 20 minutes later and, and again when
1: that was pretty that was pretty fun good call yeah. out
0: yeah absolutely all right out of 10 jay what are you giving guardians of the galaxy volume three
1: 7.0
0: okay that's weird, because I thought we had decided you were less hot on the film than I was because I'm coming in at a six point eight um but there you go, that's just the fun of of scores sometimes
1: weird yeah I don't know weird how that happens i was I was probably right in that range. I think I was between six point eight and 7.0, but ultimately six point nine felt cheesy, so I just okay. rounded it up.
0: yeah, well, we did get our first f bomb in the MCU, but we have not gotten our first 69 yet i don't think so you know maybe there's still room for james gunn to work in the future if he ever you know gets fired for some tweets or something from dc that should go. do it for our discussion of guardians of the galaxy volume three and episode 235 of Some like it Scott. however so please check out our podcast patreon page at www.patreon.com slash media plug pods if you can support us over there we'd appreciate it if not that's okay you can still find us on spotify apple podcasts and wherever else you listen to your podcast where we'd love it if you rated reviewed subscribed shared all of that so that we continue to reach a broader audience. And we really appreciate all of you for taking time to listen to us chat about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Scott and I will be back next week with a review of Polite Society, the British Pakistani action dramedy from first time director Nina Manzur. We hope you'll join us for that. But until then, for Jay Habib, I'm Scott Shelton. We'll see you next time.